0: What's going on everyone? Welcome into the Hangout in the Holy Land and the first recap show of the 2019 season. My name is Colton Denning and I am your host and I am here to recap Ohio State's season opening 45 to 21 win over Florida Atlantic. In the shoe, Ohio State is 1 0 and we got a lot to talk about today. Before I do that, I want to let you guys know how to interact with the show. And where you can get your voice heard to be on this show. After the game, I sent a call out on Twitter, on our Twitter, at Holy Land Pod, to get feedback from everybody, whether that's questions, what they thought about the game, who their players of the game were, just general takeaways. And we got some really good questions and comments that I'm going to read here on the show. So, Every single week we're going to be doing this and I want to make you guys a part of the show more so than we ever have before. So please send a tweet to at Holy Land Pod. You can also reach me at Dubs Co. And of course, we are on Twitter as a site at LandGrant33. So be sure to do that. I want to get as many opinions in here after these games as we can to hear what you guys think about these games. With that out of the way, let's talk about what happened in this game. And the best place to start to do that and try to make sense of what happened here today is talking about Justin Fields and what he brings to this offense. If you look at the raw numbers of what he did in his first career start, his first start at Ohio State as well, pretty solid. He throws up an 18 of 25 line for 234 yards, four touchdowns passing. Also runs the ball 12 times for 61 yards and one touchdown, the 51-yarder that kicked the game off. And let's just talk about that right now because it was the first drive. Ohio State, I think, had ran a couple of plays to that point, was on their own 49-yard line. And they run one of those reads with J.K. Dobbins heading to the outside. Defense reads it wrong. And Justin Fields showcases immediately what he can bring to this offense. We all wondered, how's Ryan Day going to use him, especially in week one? What are they going to do with him? Georgia really didn't use him enough last year to show us really what his skill set was. I think that if you go back and watch his recruiting tape, yeah, you know he's fast. You know he has this big arm. But now two years later, it's like, how are you going to use him? What are you going to do with him? And right away, I think we saw... At its peak, what Ohio State, what Ryan Day thinks this offense can do with it fully operational with Justin Fields running the ball. And he basically went untouched, made one dude miss, and just took it to the house and there was nobody around him. So that was a very encouraging sign. And really, the whole first quarter was awesome. Ohio State scores on their first four possessions. I don't think any of them took over two minutes. They were all really short drives. A couple of them were less than like 45 seconds. But just right from the jump, they were able to take it to Florida Atlantic. And the defense played a part in that too early on where they were just getting three and outs. The defensive line was hounding Chris Robinson, Florida State's – Florida Atlantic, excuse me. I have Boise State on the mind. Um, they, they were just hounding that Florida Atlantic offensive line Hounding Chris Robinson. He had no time to throw the ball in the first quarter. And just like that, Ohio State was able to establish a 28 to nothing lead, starting with that fields run. Then there was a 25-yard touchdown pass to Jeremy Ruckert, which we can get into. Very nice to see him out there. He caught two touchdowns in this game. Ohio State tight ends. It might be a thing this year, folks. It's it's real and it's glorious. Then there was the 32-yard pass to Benjamin Victor, where nobody was around him. That that looked just like a complete coverage bust. They were able to take advantage of it. Good to see Benjamin Victor, who had a couple of nice catches. He's has to step up into a bigger role this season, and I thought he did well starting today. And then finally, to put them up 28-0, there was the 29-yard touchdown pass to Chris Olave, who just absolutely smoked whoever that Florida Atlantic defender was. He ran like a fake corner post route, just looked beautiful. Everything we've come to expect from Chris Olave at the end of last season translated to today. It was a wonderful route created separation fields, hit him right in stride. There was some real nice zip on that ball too, which was great to see from fields. We knew what he could do athletically. We knew how he was going to look running, but man, when he really is able to step into a throw he could put some mustard on it. And that was one of those throws that I really liked seeing from him today, where he just put it right on the dot to Chris Olave, who took it to the house and gave Ohio State a 28 to nothing lead. But then after that, and this is probably the, the big story and what everybody wants to talk about, and what everybody is going to talk about when it comes to this game, is Ohio State built that twenty-eight to nothing lead. And then after that, they didn't score another point until late in the third quarter. And from whatever your perspective is, this could be either very troubling or you could look at it in the sense of like, ah, when I really look at the drives and look at what we thought about this team coming into the year, that makes sense. And I'll try to explain why for me, that little scoring drought they went on and some of those drives where it looked like they couldn't do anything, I don't think it's good. Don't get me wrong, you, you never want to do that, especially week one against a team that you're clearly more talented than, and we, we saw that when they went ahead by four touchdowns. But Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the broadcast kept talking about the energy level, and there really wasn't a sense of urgency. And we had a couple of people tweet us about that, that, man, they, just, they really let up. And I think that that's fair, and, and there probably is a little bit to that. They may have been feeling themselves a little bit, But also, one, you got to give credit to the opponent. I thought that Florida Atlantic made some good adjustments and they were able to stop some of the things Ohio State wanted to do. But then, two, are you really surprised that Ohio State's offensive line looked like a young, inexperienced group playing together in their first real game action? I mean, is that not something we all kind of talked about and figured may happen this season? That, hey, there's going to be times where... This offensive line, especially early in the season, it just doesn't look that great. And that's exactly what happened in that second quarter and most of the third where they couldn't really get any push. They tried to run out wide. It wasn't happening. They tried to run inside. Wasn't happening. There was a couple times where Justin Fields had some heat on him. I thought for the most part, though, they pass protected pretty well, but I wasn't like blown away that they struggled a little bit blocking and I think too that Fields didn't pull the trigger on a couple throws that made the offensive line look like they were giving up pressure and J.K. Dobbins as well danced around a little bit which is something we saw last year instead of just hitting a hole to the point where I think that without knowing anything just from what I I felt that Ryan Day got a little fed up and put Master Teague in in the third quarter and was like, all right, just give me a running back who's going to get four yards. And eventually, um, Dobbins came back in, and I thought he ran well at the end of the game. And Master Teague ran pretty well too, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But I, I think the offense's problems were more than just, uh, these guys let up, they the lack of energy, they weren't into it. Got to give Florida Atlantic a little bit of credit. And you know what? It's it's the first game of the season. And it's Justin Fields' first, literally his first career start. Not just his first start at Ohio State. That's something we have to remember too. This was his first career start. And no matter how talented you are, there's going to be ups and downs when you're a young player and you go into a game. This was really his first significant action on the college level as a quarterback. You know, if you want to go back, and I think Ryan Day alluded to this last week, if you want to go back and watch Dwayne Haskins against Illinois three seasons ago, it doesn't look great. You know, there's a couple of games where he got into his freshman year and you thought, man, this this isn't the guy I recognize from that high school tape. Where's that arm? That happens. The quarterback's a very hard position to play, and I, I thought that when it came to commanding the offense running the offense and making throws for the most part Justin Fields he looked pretty awesome I can't remember any decisions he made throwing the ball where I thought it was bad maybe he was a little bit too cautious in the pocket there were three or four times where he had time to process stuff and the pocket was clean and he just looked a little bit hesitant but you know what that's a young quarterback when he gets more reps They get in and watch the film this week. I'm sure that Ryan Day and the rest of the offensive staff will point out to him, hey, so-and-so was open here. If this happens, dump the ball off. Take the five-yard gain. You don't just got to scramble around and wait and then throw the ball away or take a sack. Just get rid of the ball. And that's something that's going to come with time. But I thought, for the most part, Justin Fields was awesome today. And for as good as he and the offense were early on in the game, the defense – too, was just outstanding. And they showcased that in those first five or six Florida Atlantic drives when Florida Atlantic could not do a damn thing. Chase Young in particular was at the next level. I've said this a couple of times on the podcast in the last couple of years that we see Chase Young have these games, the Penn State game in particular, where he just he shows out and, and makes big plays. And then if you go back, there was the TCU game where he didn't do much. And it all kind of makes sense in retrospect at the end of the season when you find out that his ankles were just totally busted and he wasn't healthy at all and he was still able to make plays even if it wasn't consistently game after game. If he looks like this for even three-fourths of the season, he's going to be the first pick in the NFL draft. He was an absolute monster today. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. Five total tackles, three solo, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss. He had a pass defense and, and there were a couple other plays that he was in on that other defenders beat him too. But Chase Young, this is his season and this was a hell of a way to start it off. I really love what I saw from Chase Young today. And on that same note, Jay Sean Cornell may have had the best game Of any player if you go back and watch what he did on the opposite side of chase young maybe he was getting less attention and that led to him being put into more favorable spots to make plays from the stat sheet alone four tackles three solo one sack two tackles for loss there were a couple of other plays where he was in the backfield right away if he's able to step up in Jonathan Cooper's absence and be a disruptor that I think we all kind of thought he would be when he first came to Ohio state. It just takes this defense to the next level because then when Cooper comes back, you really have a defensive line rotation and they were already rotating a lot of guys today anyway. But if he's a force and not merely just, Oh, that's, that's a guy we can throw in there. If he's a guy that, Hey, you have to respect what he can do on the edge and, and get to the quarterback and disrupt your run game to have those two guys on the outside we saw today what happens when you're able to not only pressure a quarterback from the outside and really pinch an offense in from the outside in, but also stuff a running game like that. And they were able to showcase that a lot in the first quarter. So that was that was very positive. And I thought the defense overall for, for most of the game was pretty good. There was a couple people barking about it on Twitter. Afterwards, we got a couple of comments about the defense Somebody tweeted us up. I'll pull it up right now. So I'm not butchering exactly what this gentleman said to us about the defense. This is from Michael. He says, what was with the 2018 Michigan defense in the second half? Um, You know, this defense gave up 3.1 yards per play. You can say all you want. There was definitely things that I, I thought were not what I wanted to see. If we talk about the linebackers for the most part, I'm still a little skeptical about what they're doing. Damon Arnett in particular, I think outside at corner, had a rough day. But overall, to hold that offense to 3.1 yards per play, even with some of the stuff they did in the second half, they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. One of those drives was just straight up against backups who are completely inexperienced. So I don't know how much I'm counting that. I thought they were fine. I thought that, you know, when it comes to a Havoc standpoint, maybe they could have made a couple of more plays. But other than that, looking at certain individuals, I talked about Chase Young, talked about Ja'Sean Cornell, Jeff Okuda at corner. I think this was his the best game of his career. He had at least one pass breakup, six tackles one tackle for loss, a couple of other plays that he was involved in. There was that almost safety, probably should have been a safety, that he made the initial hit on and knocked the either running back or receiver back on. He had a super tough assignment for some of this game covering Harrison Bryant. I hadn't heard of that dude before. I hadn't watched him before. He's legit. He is an NFL guy, and I thought that that was a great battle on the outside, that Okuda, for the most part, dominated. He played his best game at Ohio State that I've seen. Jordan Fuller as well, he had seven tackles, four solo tackles. I thought the safeties were pretty solid. They didn't let up much of anything when it came to big plays, and that's what killed him last year. So I, I thought that the safety play was excellent, especially when we compare it to 2018. And then there's the linebackers. This is where it gets a little hit or miss for me because, one... I'll start with the positive Malik Harrison may have had his best game Malik Harrison was awesome today he had a couple of really big time hits five total tackles three solos one sack two tackles for loss there was a couple where I think one was a guy going over the middle he just completely laid it on him clean hit got him off the field and he was just around the football all game wasn't out of position didn't look like he was lost Last year, I think I described him as a a guy who was going to go somewhere, and he was going to do it really fast, but he didn't know where he was going. This year, or at least today, he was going somewhere fast, and he knew exactly where he was going, and he was going with a purpose. He hit hard today, and he just looked smart. He looked like he played smart today, and that was really encouraging to see. Otherwise, the other two linebacker spots I don't have much positive things to say. I I think that the two guys there are still out of position when it comes to being starters. I think that the defensive staff, this new group with Halfley, Madison, and Al Washington, I think they're giving these guys a chance based off of what they know about them, how good kids they are. They seem like they're, they're pretty good kids. But watching the film, I, I think that they're going to start to see, okay, we got to do something here at these other two linebacker spots. I don't think Tuff Borland and, and Pete Warner played a very good game, but that is just from my untrained eye. And for what it's worth, I thought that Baron Browning made a couple of plays, but him and Tarada Mitchell both were out of position too. So maybe that's just first game jitters. Maybe that's just how the linebackers are, but I think that... Ohio State is really set with Malik Harrison being a top-tier linebacker. And if they can just get one other guy to be right there with him, I don't know if it's Browning. I don't know if it's Mitchell. I don't know if it's Kayvon Pope or literally anybody else. They can get one guy who is really good next to him. This defense is trending in the right direction. I thought they did a lot of very positive things today. And despite some of the third-down conversions and some of the second-half things that Florida Atlantic did, I like what I saw from the defense. Let me know on our Twitter or my Twitter if you disagree. But from what I saw, I thought it was a good day for those dudes. Sticking on the defense, we have a tweet from Eddie, one of our favorite listeners. Shout out to Eddie, who asked, where were all the turnovers the defense promised us? There was just the one, the interception late by Josh Proctor, which was a nice play. And everywhere I've read this offseason, dudes around the program, players, coaches, Cannot stop raving about him. I think we're going to see a lot more of him on the field. Those ball skills, his ability to get over in coverage, to range, to cover basically the whole field is what they're saying, is something that's very intriguing. And I don't know if there's anybody right now in those positions that can do that like him. So that was great to see him make that play, even though it really wasn't – he didn't really high point it. He went after the ball, but – I thought that uh, that was that was encouraging. I really like seeing that from Josh Proctor. And he's going to see, I think, a lion's share of the snaps sooner rather than later. They can't afford to not find a place for a guy like him who just gets to the ball. Other than that, that was the one turnover. Um, Florida Atlantic, I think, had at least three fumbles. They recovered them all. So, you know, fumble luck. If you can't get to the ball, that's just stuff that's going to happen. I think eventually, the way that the defense played, they're going to cause some turnovers. I think Florida Atlantic was pretty smart with the ball. They didn't risk a lot in this game. That was probably something that was baked into the game plan. It didn't really seem like Lane Kiffin was going all out for this one. In the preview podcast that I did with Cyrus Smith over at Underdog Dynasty, that was something we talked about was, hey, is Lane Kiffin really going to go for this? They play UCF next week how much is he just going to throw his cards on the wall and not, not that that's a great matchup for them either, but I don't really think it benefited Florida Atlantic at all to just be like, here's what we're going to put everything out on the table. We're going to get crazy. We're going to challenge you guys one-on-one outside of Harrison Bryant. They don't really have anybody to do that with. So I think a little bit of the one turnover is just kind of Florida Atlantic was happy to just try to not make mistakes And even then, Ohio State was able to force a couple of fumbles, didn't get on them, and just had the Josh Proctor interception. So that's something that's worth watching going forward. I think that'll escalate in the coming weeks, especially as this defense gels a little bit more, younger guys get some playing time, and when you have a defensive line and an outside pass rush that can get to the quarterback like those dudes can, those turnovers are going to come. So I don't think that's something to worry about as of now. And I know I said it before, but uh, Jeff Okuda, he he looks good, and you better enjoy him for the next 12 or 13 or wh- however many games Ohio State has left in this season because uh, he's he's going high in the NFL draft. He is fun to watch. And you know what? He might not have a lot of picks this season because I do not foresee a ton of quarterbacks on this schedule and a ton of receivers that can match up with him and beat him. I don't see a ton of quarterbacks challenging Jeff Okuda. A lot of that is going to go to the other side. And I know I referenced it before, but that's another piece of the defense where I don't necessarily think Damon Arnett's going to be the guy for them all year. I don't know who else it's going to be, but I don't think he had the best game. He dropped an interception, a very easy interception that he should have caught. I think he had one penalty. I could be mistaken on that. And there were a couple of times that he got beat. I don't think he played awful or anything. But that's something to look for. I don't necessarily see him holding that spot all year. Maybe he does based off of leadership and is able to play a little bit better than he did today. But just like a couple of dudes in the linebacking core, we've seen enough to kind of know what he is. And if he plays solid, you know, maybe maybe that's enough. I don't know. I'm not a coach. I can't tell you guys that, hey, replace this guy and they're going to go do it. That's, that just is what it is. Uh, Where to next? Bear with me here. as I try to figure out how we want to run these solo pods. Maybe we'll go with uh, another comment. Brandon Vilfroy says, love what I saw out of the defense in the first half. Agreed. D-line was just dominating. Linebackers weren't lined up on the line of scrimmage and were in position to cover slash make tackles. Fields was good early, but felt like he held onto the ball too long the later the game went on. I think for the most part, Brandon, you basically hit it on the head. The linebackers not being on the line of scrimmage, awesome. Love to see it. Uh, They were in position for the most part all day to make tackles. Justin Fields was very good early on, and it it did feel like he held onto the ball a little bit. But like I said earlier, this is literally his first start. He's not going to play perfect. And even then, he went 18 of 25 for 243 yards. And four touchdowns or 234 yards, excuse me, and not a lot of those were hard throws. I I think that may be a talking point from like people on Twitter. Well, actually, Twitter will be like, oh, Justin Fields didn't make a lot of hard throws. Ryan Day made it really easy on him. Like, yeah, he should. That's what we've been complaining about on this podcast for the last two years that Ohio State's coaches haven't put their players in positions to succeed. And I think that when it comes to Justin Fields. Ryan Day did exactly that. There's no reason to give him a bunch of hard concepts to work with in his first start. Ease him into the game. Let him figure out, you know, kind of how everyone works in a game setting, what his strong points are going to be. One of those looks like uh, throwing on the run. He looked very comfortable to his right, had a couple of nice third down throws. One of them to Chris Olave on the right just hit him perfectly in stride. So that that was fun to see. I would expect that will be a very large component of the passing game going forward. But I thought that they kept it simple. They played to his strengths and they're going to continue to build this passing game. What we saw from him and the Ohio State team as a whole, this is week one. This is not the finished product. And when it comes to Justin Fields, I think about ninety percent of it I really liked. And it'll be fun to watch him against a very good Cincinnati defense and how they try to figure that out next week. Uh, Other things offensively, our boy Buckeye9131 tweets us with, Dobbins finished fifth on the team in yards per carry today and looks lethargic. Thoughts? Mm. Agree and disagree. There was a, a portion, and I think I referenced it earlier, from late in the first quarter, and then basically the whole second quarter and some of the third quarter, where he just looked like he was running like it was 2018 again. He was picking and choosing way too much, was dancing, wasn't just hitting the hole, getting three yards, moving forward to play the next down, and to the point where I think Day took his ass out and put in Master Teague and was like, give me four yards, give me five yards, just move ahead. And I thought Master Teague played really well. I liked what I saw out of Master Teague. But after that, I think if you go back and watch in the fourth quarter, Dobbins turned it around and had a strong finish. And that's, you know, he had the touchdown where he dove up through everyone. But I like the way that he bounced back in the fourth quarter. He had some some physical runs. There was the second and nine play. It may have been right before the touchdown where he ran up the middle that was reviewed. That was nice. I really like that run. That was encouraging to see him break through that. That's what you want to see. If you revert back to your old form, you say, hey, snap out of it. You know let me change my game and get back to what I do best and that's picking up yardage. So there was a time where I felt like oh boy, you may need to take JK Dobbins off the field and see what else you have here and they did that. but to his credit, he came back on, ran hard, ran smart and was able to pick up some yardage and I'm I'm very intrigued to see what he looks like next week and how many meaningful carries Master T gets because in my eyes, He is the clear-cut number two running back right now. I know everybody loves to talk about DeMario McCall. Shout out to former co-host Patrick Mayhorn. Loves DeMario McCall. I love DeMario McCall. When it comes to running back, give me Master Teague. I, I saw enough today to want to see that more going forward. He is just a big dude who is going to move forward, maybe make a cut. He's got a little bit of the Zeke trait. And you guys know what I'm talking about watching Zeke here, but if you watch him even still to this day with the Cowboys, there are plays where it, it looks like you know he's going to gain one yard or maybe he'll get stuffed for a loss of two. And somehow he just gets two extra yards. He makes a one-yard gain, a three-yard gain. I'm not saying that Master Teague is anywhere close to Ezekiel Elliott's level, but I feel like he's got a little bit of that trait where you see the play, and right as it's ending, you look down, like, oh man, that's going to be second and nine. And he picks up four extra yards. You're like, okay, it's it's second and five. So I liked seeing that out of him. I want to see more of Master T going forward. And the running game as a whole, they really kind of went out of their way to not showcase Justin Fields. There was the touchdown, but other than that, and I think Joel Clapp mentioned this on the broadcast, even when it looked like they were running those read plays those were just straight up handoffs there, there's no reason to run Justin Fields so I, I don't think we even got the full scope of what this running game is going to be there was no reason to just run a bunch of insane crazy concepts running concepts with Justin Fields and, and figure out how that's going to work I think that they can do that in the coming weeks you can do that in crunch time you don't have to do it when you're up 23 points against Florida Atlantic week one there, there's just there's no benefit for me, uh, of them doing that, and I can see why they kind of kept the run game vanilla. So I think for the most part, run game averaged just under five yards per carry. Had two hundred thirty-seven raw total rushing yards. It was a good day. As a whole, the offense could stand to clean up the turnovers. The Dobbins fumble was bad. The sideways slash backward pass to. Victor was bad. Jeremy Ruckert's also got to get on that ball. You got to got to play through there and pick that ball up and the efficiency need to pick up. We love to see that they have the big plays. they were able to do that early on, but there is going to be a time where Big Ten play starts and you're going against Michigan State's defense, Wisconsin's defense. Yeah, this isn't NCAA 07. This isn't me just bombing 15, 20 yards down the field every time and picking up two first downs worth of yardage every single play. They're going to have to be able to pick up four or five yards at a time. Wisconsin and Michigan State, Michigan, those better defenses, they're going to have to figure a way to play more efficiently than they did today. That was something that I'm looking forward to seeing how they do against Cincinnati, a very tough defense that schemes well with Marcus Freeman and Luke Fickle at the helm. You can go back and watch the UCLA game. Those dudes fly around. So That's going to be a great test for them, and I want to see a lot more efficiency from the offense next week it's the big plays are great but if you really want to be a well-rounded offense those efficient plays are going to have to be a little bit more in the dna uh other questions what else do we have here this one is from shelby he says we didn't have to wait very long to see how day deals with a bump in the road Outplayed in final three quarters along with the loss of urgency and in-game adjustments. Who saw this coming? Shelby, never tweet at me or the show ever again. I'll never read one of your tweets ever again. So that's what I think about that. Um, that, That's bad. That's a terrible take. Um, uh, Let's see. Jake says, great way to start the season. Slightly worried about next week, though. Agreed. That's probably the, the most logical, sane way to think about next week. Cincinnati is a very good team. With a strong defense, Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman are going to be very well prepared and schemed for them. They're not going to be able to play the way they did in that second and third quarter and completely get away with it. I don't think Cincinnati's offense is very good, but that defense is going to pose a real problem for them. And if they're able to figure it out, then we can really start talking about the offense cooking. But I agreed. Great way to start the season. They showed enough weakness where you think, okay, this is a little bit scary. So Cincinnati is going to be a very good test next week. Uh, We're going to get to another bad tweet. This is from Will. Will says, watching Justin Fields make improper reads reminds me of just how seldomly JT Barrett did so. I wonder what Will was saying about JT Barrett after his start against Virginia Tech in 2014 also justin fields didn't make a lot of reads today and when he did they were they were mostly good um maybe he's talking about the run game but i don't know will that tweet sucks don't tweet me again that's pretty much it for the tweets please interact with the show i know i <laughs> didn't do a great job of promoting hey interact with us when we get two of them and i just flat out say like all oh, these suck but for the most part those were pretty awesome I'd love hearing your guys' perspective and thoughts, even if it's bad, like Will and Shelby. Hey, continue to send them. We'll just talk about them on air. You guys can get upset that I roasted you on the show, and we can just have fun with it. But I love hearing your guys' takes on this. My takes certainly aren't correct, as we've proven over the course of like the three and a half years I've done this podcast, so I don't think that I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just an Ohio State fan who happens to have a podcast So don't take what I say as fact. Uh, My final thoughts on this game as we wrap it up. I'm trying to get these shows out as quick as possible so we can all enjoy the rest of our Saturday, watch college football, get these out in a timely manner so you guys will enjoy it. Overall, for me, this was a nice win. This is kind of what I was expecting. 45-21 to seems right. Florida Atlantic, I think the score for them looks a little bit inflated like I talked about with that drive against the Ohio State backups. I think you can throw that one out. For the most part, I thought both sides of the ball did well. Even in that second third quarter, there's obviously a lot of things to fix when it when it came to that, they didn't look very good, but that happens. Teams are going to stop you and it's the first week of the season. You have a first literally a first time head coach, a somewhat new offensive staff, you have a new co-offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach. You have a first time Starting quarterback that you brought in who's getting first his first game experience with this team Things are bound to get a little bit wonky, especially behind an offensive line. That's trying to figure out how to work together So I wouldn't read too much into it at least when it comes to like Oh the sky is falling down because they're facing another good defense this next week And it won't be surprising to see Cincinnati make some plays on them, too so take that with a grain of salt for whatever it's worth but I think that you don't have to look at what the offense did today. is just like, wow, they started really hot, and then they were terrible, and then they finished out kind of okay. Looking at it as a whole, I thought it was a really good day for the offense. Obviously, a lot of things to build on. Defensively, you know, it couldn't get much worse than last year. They gave up, what, 35 points to Oregon State and like three 70-yard touchdown runs. So this year, it's looking like an improvement. There are still some warts on this defense. But they're not a finished product either. I think we'll see better play from the interior of the defense. And even then, I think that that they played well defensive tackles. Whether it was Haskell Garrett, who was making a couple plays on the interior. Robert Landers, who I think had a sack. He was able to stuff up some things in the middle. Behind them, the linebackers, Malik Harrison. He just keeps doing what he's doing. They're going to be fine. And if they just figure out what else they one at those other two linebacker spots i think this could be a pretty good defense i liked what they did and cincinnati doesn't scare me a ton with what they do offensively so i think that they'll be able to build on this too, have another good game but for week one you hold florida atlantic to just over three yards per play and that's with the backups giving up that touchdown drive that's pretty good they also were able to stop them inside the red zone a couple times and hold them to field goals which was a positive sign so defensively, man, I'm I'm not entirely pleased. It wasn't the best, but I thought it was pretty good. Let me know whether you think this podcast is any good or not by heading over to Apple Podcasts. If you like it, subscribe, leave a review, let me know what I can do to make this show better. And all of our land grant holy land shows. We we podcast literally every day, so we got something new. If you don't like me, you are guaranteed to like everything else we have on the land grant podcast network. You can also follow along on Spotify and interact with us. We're at Holy land pod at land grant 33 and I am at dubs co that's going to wrap up today's show. Our first recap edition of the hangout in the Holy land me going solo. I hope it was all right. I hope I did well and get a passing grade in this first solo to type of podcast on land grant Holy land. So please leave me some feedback and let me know what you think of the show. But until next time, I want to thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the win. Ohio State is 1-0. They beat Florida Atlantic 45-21. to The next time you hear my voice, I'll be talking to Clayton Truder of downthedrive.com, Cincinnati's SB Nation blog about the Bearcats and previewing Ohio State's Week 2 game. Until then, thank you one last time for listening to The Hangout in the Holy Land. My name is Colton Denning and go Bucks.